The United States, like many other Western nations, has a history accented with great achievements that broke down barriers to the future. These same histories are also bloated with an array of human rights abuses that are lessons for the ages, ranging from the egregious period of slavery and the triangle trade to the folly of modern relationships between classes, races, and genders, one people's history that sticks out is that of Asian Americans. Last time, we explored the grueling labors and gross mistreatment of the first Asians to come to America. We specifically discussed their work in gold mines and relationships with the Americans during the 1849 California Gold Rush and how Asian immigrant laborers were put under abusive working conditions during the Western development of the Transcontinental Railroad, all while getting none of the credit. Join me, Michael Popa, today as I explore with you the deep roots that Asian people have in this country as it relates to the significant events of severe mistreatment of these peoples. Today we'll take a look at one of the most controversial decisions made by a sitting United States President, Executive Order 9066, and how it led to not only American civil history, but legal and military history too. I'm Michael Popa, and this is Deep Roots. A day which will live in infamy. These were the well-known words used by then-President Franklin Delano Roosevelt to describe the impact that the Pearl Harbor attack had on the American people, but more particularly, the impact it had on the United States' decision to enter World War II in the Pacific Theater. During the Second World War, Congress had maintained an isolationist perspective as President Wilson had during World War I. President Roosevelt, however, felt much differently, but was limited by his Congress in his ability to act. Pearl Harbor was what drove the country's opinion in favor of FDR's internationalist ideology. While the United States' entry in the war was up for dispute, Americans' opinion of Japanese Americans was not. All eyes turned to Japanese Americans after the attack on Pearl Harbor, and FDR's pen turned to sign Executive Order 9066, the order to intern all Japanese peoples in the United States to prevent espionage. Enacted just two short months after the dramatic loss of over 2,400 people at the Hawaii Naval Base and headquarters of the United States Pacific Fleet, Japanese Americans were put on buses and trains and shipped to one of the 10 prison camps built under Executive Order 9066. These camps were dotted across the southwest and west, including two camps in California, two in Arizona, one in Utah, one in Idaho, one in Wyoming, one in Colorado, and two in Arkansas. While not controversial in the public eye, the executive action created questions regarding its constitutionality. One Japanese-American, Fred Korematsu, refused to relocate when ordered by local authorities under Executive Order 9066. At the time, he was welding ships for the United States Navy. He sued, and the case went all the way to the Supreme Court. What has been dubbed a landmark decision, the Supreme Court ruled in a 6-3 majority that, one, President Roosevelt did have the right to intern all Japanese-Americans as a, quote, military necessity, and two, that national security overrides an individual's rights and liberties during a time of war. So, what went on inside these camps? Matt Mullen from the History Channel gave some good insight when he said that, quote, each relocation center was its own town, featuring schools, post offices, and work facilities, as well as farmland for growing food and keeping livestock, all surrounded by barbed wire and guard towers, unquote. There were also many different manufacturing plants and factories dotted in and around the relocation centers that Japanese people were able to find employment in. Unfortunately, on top of poor conditions and unfair treatment, violence was also a reoccurring issue. Mullen also provides some horrific examples of the violence, including the marching of internees at night for distances of up to two miles and the shooting of people who attempted to flee or got too close to the perimeter. One of the most shocking instances of violence was of a riot that broke out on August 4th, 1942 in one of the California camps. Because food was sparse and space was non-existent, internees grew increasingly upset. Tensions were so bad that, quote, a Japanese-American Citizens League member was beaten by six masked men and police then tear-gassed the entire crowd, unquote. 
It wasn't until 1988, 44 years after they were released from the concentration camps, that the Japanese Americans who were interned were formally apologized to by the United States by way of the Civil Liberties Act. This bill paid out over $1.6 billion in reparations to victims of internment or their immediate descendants. Of the over 110,000 Japanese people sent to these internment camps, more than half, nearly 66,000, were natural-born American citizens. After the events at Pearl Harbor, massive investigations were launched into determining whether or not any Japanese Americans were involved in the attack. Only one person was ever arrested for espionage, Bernard Julius Otto Kuhn, a German collecting and selling information to the Japanese government. Not one interned Japanese person was found guilty of being disloyal to the United States. Even though they were treated abhorrently during World War II and the wake of Pearl Harbor, Japanese Americans were championed by the 442nd Infantry Regiment of the United States Army. This unit, composed almost entirely of second-generation Japanese Americans, fought on the American front during the war and came home as the most decorated regiment in all of American history. Despite the low they, their friends, and their families faced, they've become a beacon of hope and inspiration to Asian Americans today. They were awarded eight presidential unit citations and 21 Medal of Honors. Join me next time as we explore contemporary social and economic issues that our Asian American counterparts have had to face in the more recent past. We'll take a close look at lawsuits levied against two major American institutions, Harvard and Yale universities, and how Asian Americans are faced with a new uphill battle in the realm of academia. I'm Michael Popa, and this is Deep Roots. Make sure to like and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you want to hear more. You can find me on Instagram at michael.popa.ii. You can also find the Utah Statesman on Instagram and Twitter at Utah Statesman. Or you can pick up our newspapers on campus and online at utahstatesman.com. This show is brought to you by the Utah State University Student Media. Copyright Utah Statesman 2021.